today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. There is a home where one belongs, but one is unable to return there. From the beginning of the Bible, all of humanity was put into exile. We were made to dwell with God. We were made to dwell in the good garden that he made where we lived in harmony with him and with each other and with the world around us. And yet we chose to rebel against him. And part of the effect of that was that that we were cast out. We were exiled into a world that was suddenly strange, not the world we were made for. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. Have you ever felt like this world is not your home? It doesn't offer much satisfaction? There's a reason why many people are left feeling unfulfilled in this life. The reason is because they were created for a much greater purpose and their home is heaven. Pastor Ricky will be explaining that humanity has been in exile ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God and were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. The only way you can have satisfaction for your soul is when you become born again. Well, let's join Pastor Ricky for part one of his message entitled, Missional Holiness. We're transitioning now into another section of the book. As we talked about last week, the first half of the book was, in essence, Peter telling the church or the people there who they are in Jesus. And now he's going to start talking to them about how to live in Jesus. Uh, so let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Well, today our passage has three elements in it. Peter says first that he's going to urge them to do something. Before he urges them, he tells them who they are. So he tells them who they are, and then he urges them to do something, and then he talks about the effect that it will have. So it's a movement from their identity to their actions to the effect that it has on the world around them. So let's let's remember, kind of keep in front of your mind, the big idea today is this. We are called as Christians to live like we're from another world for the sake of the world around us. We're called to live like we're from another world for the sake of the world around us. Um, Let's first jump into talking about our identity, where Peter says, in essence, you are from another world. He says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to do something. Now, this this reference to exiles is a a thread that runs through the whole book of 1 Peter. In the very first verse, he greets those. He says he's writing to those who are elect exiles, Now, the people in the churches that that Peter is writing to, because Peter is writing to a group of churches in Asia Minor, uh, now they were not exiles though. Uh, They were living in their hometowns. But what we learn in the letter is that 
because they've become Christians, they're beginning to feel more and more like exiles in their cities. There's social pressure uh, against their new faith. There's dinner invitations that they normally receive that stop coming. There's people who stop visiting their place of business. There's pressure, not outright persecution. Nobody's getting beaten and dragged in front of a mob, but there is social pressure against them. And they're beginning to feel like strangers in their own hometown. So Peter calls them exiles, and they would have resonated with this. But this word exile is, is not just the way that they're feeling. It's a theological reality for them. An exile is somebody who's cast off or cut off from their home country. This is illustrated in a dramatic way in the story of, of the Jews who, who had their own homeland, but then God allowed these other nations to conquer them, and they're taken into exile. And a whole section of the Old Testament takes place with these Jews in exile exile, longing for home. And there's lots of literature written about that. They would have understood that. They would have been familiar with that to some extent. Or in modern times, exile um, can be anytime somebody perhaps from a country or from a place is not allowed to go back to where they were, or they become a stranger among their own people. I, I once when I was studying creative writing at UTEP, heard an Iranian writer speak who was exiled from their own country. And it was very clear that if this Iranian writer ever returned to Iran, they would be probably and expediently uh, imprisoned, potentially tortured, and most certainly killed. And yet all of their literature was about Iran where they grew up, the places that they used to go to. That you could feel in their heart, in, the, in their writing, a longing to be back in that homeland, but a knowledge that they could never go back. Now, Peter is not just talking about experience. He's, as I said, he's bringing forward a weight of theological meaning from the Old Testament. Um, Dr. Ian Duguid, who's a biblical scholar, says this, when Scripture speaks of exile... It is speaking of the experience of pain and suffering that results from the knowledge that there is a home where one belongs, yet for the present, one is unable to return there. There is a home where one belongs, but one is unable to return there. From the beginning of the Bible, all of humanity was put into exile. We were made to dwell with God. We were made to dwell in the good garden that he made where we lived in harmony with him and with each other and with the world around us. And yet we chose to rebel against him. And part of the effect of that was that we were cast out. We were exiled into a world that was suddenly strange, not the world we were made for. Now, if you've seen previews or perhaps seen the movie uh, about the Martian, there's this guy that gets stranded on Mars. There's this one powerful scene in the movie. If you don't know the concept or didn't get it from the trailer because they give everything away, um, surprise, he's alone on Mars. Um, what happens is that he's on a mission to Mars with a bunch of other foot people and a dust storm happens and he gets hit with an antenna. They think he's dead. They leave him. They go back to Earth. He wakes up on Mars. And now there's a scene where he's, he's wounded, he's hurting, so he's trying to like you know, bandage himself up, and he, he finally gets to the point where he's stabilized. And, and the more terrifying moment, though, is not that, oh my gosh, I've got a thing sticking to me. I've got to figure out how to bandage myself up. The more terrifying moment is when he stabilizes himself and realizes he is alone on a completely foreign, strange land that he was never meant to be. There's no one in his hab. There's nobody on the surface of Mars for 
thousands and millions of miles and no way to get back and no way to contact anyone. And in some ways that, and you can see kind of the look in his eyes that it's like, oh, I, maybe I shouldn't have saved myself. This, this, this may not have been a well thought through plan. Um, you realize he sees the place where the spacecraft was that was supposed to carry him home and it's gone. And he realizes his home is gone and he's there. And, and in some ways, that's an illustration of the human heart. We feel like we've woken up on a place that we don't belong. We can see signs and, and kind of hints that we're not meant to be here. And we feel very much in exile in this world. We live in a world that is cut off from the world that we were made for. But as C.S. Lewis um, points out, cracks and shadows of this other world that we were made for still come through in our world. C.S. Lewis kind of brilliantly points out that in the best books, in the best movies, in the best music, in the best meals, in the best relationships, in the best experiences, there, there awakens in us something of a longing of a, that, that, that glimpses this other world that's just beyond us. He says this, the books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust to them. It wasn't in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past are good images of what we really desire. But they are not the thing itself. Listen to this. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. So we have this experience that that we're cut off from God, cut off from the world we were made for, and yet these things awaken in us a longing to go back, a longing to return. Now, though, there's a difference between the exile of these Christians and the exile of the world as a whole. The world's solution to exile, theologically speaking, is to say, okay, if I'm on Mars, I'll make the best of it. The world says, listen, I want nothing to do with God. I'm gonna try to make this world my paradise, my home. And, And that's why so many people are desperate to make money. Because in just a few years, they won't be able to. And all the pleasures of the world that they feel like could give them meaning will be gone. This is why so many people are desperate to stay young, right? That we spend so much money trying to look younger and fitter than we were. You see ads that make your 30s better than your 20s. Make your 40s better than your 30s. Make your 50s better than your 40s. Make, I mean, I don't know when it, where it ends, but at some point, I think it catches up with you. I, I don't know. And so we spend all this money trying to make this world a place that we can live in and love and and just forget about the fact that we were made for somewhere else. But it doesn't work, does it? There is still this longing in us. And Christians are those who have chosen a different path. The good news of the gospel is that while we may be exiles, we can be restored to God. 
Jesus rescued us from our exile to God by being exiled for us. Dr. Ian Duguid writes this, at the cross, Jesus experienced the sting of exile, which was punishment for sin, in its fullness for his people. The only one who had never sinned was made to be sin for them. And the one who for all eternity had dwelt in the bosom of the Father was exiled from his presence. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But his exile has redemptive power. By it, his people are once and for all reconciled to God. So the good news of the gospel is that we should be exiled from God, but Christ was exiled for us so that if we believe in him and choose to follow him, we would be welcomed yet again into that world that we long for. Not in this life, but in the life to come. So Peter contrasts their identity with the identity of the sinful world around us. He says, listen, We, as Christians, we have a home. As I've told you in chapter one, we have an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, unfading, undefiled. We will see Christ again. So, he says, do not think that this world is your home. You are an exile. You are a stranger. He uses this other word, sojourners. A sojourner is is someone who's passing through a country on their way to another country. We as Christians are just passing through this world on our way to another and better world. Now, imagine that you find yourself alone and on Mars. You have two options. You either say, I'm not, I'm going to do everything possible to get home to the world that I belong in, or you go, well, look, there's there's some food. I can eat the food. Somebody brought movies. I could watch some movies, and I can just try to make the best of it, and at the end, it'll be dead, right? And so you could make yourself a little paradise. You could listen to everyone's music. Listen, you could use everybody's stuff because they're gone, right? You could try to make the best of it in your own world, but, but what would happen? Something in your heart would go, I, I'm not supposed to be here. What if you tried to stop remembering your family back home. Stop remembering the world that you came from. You can't do it. It'll break through. In strange moments, you would not be able to cut yourself off and think, well, this is all I have. And in the same way, we are unsatisfied with the reality of this world. We're meant to, we're designed for something better. Now, here's the reality, though. Either you will be at home in this world and in exile in the world to come, or you will be in exile in this world and at home in the world to come. And what determines this is whether you are a stranger to God or a stranger to the world. You must be one or the other. You will either be exiled from this world, but with Christ, because you say, no, I'm not gonna follow the pattern of this world, or you will cut Christ off and say, well, I'm gonna be at home in this world. Friends, there is a, There's a cost to following Jesus in the world. Jesus himself said, if anyone would follow him, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. They must leave their old life and follow him to a new life. And following Jesus means that suddenly you are not at home in the world anymore. The pleasures of the world don't mean the same thing to you. You don't live for them anymore. But the world and those who are in the world The things that they do are opposed to the things of God. And you can, for a time, have fun. You can have some kind of level of pleasure or experience in the world apart from God. But you cannot have both. 
So I, I want to say this. If, if you are not a Christian, you have a choice to make. You will either be an exile in this world or an exile in the world to come. But you don't have to be an exile in that permanent, eternal world that you were made for. Jesus has made a way. He was exiled for you so that if you put your faith in him, in essence, a great exchange happens. You, who are meant for exile, return home. And Jesus, who deserved only to be at home, is sent to exile for you so that you could return. And you have a choice. See, one of the, the problems with our world today and, and, and the pluralism of the world today is there's this kind of idea that, listen, you can have it all, right? We try to have it all at work. We try to have it all with family. We try to have it all in terms of spirituality. We want to sort of live the way that the world lives and pursue the stuff of the world. And yet still sort of in the back pocket of our spiritual lives, we have Jesus. And so kind of live the way that we ever want to. But then when we show up, we're like, oh, I totally almost forgot about this, but I have a ticket. I believed in Jesus, right? But what Peter's saying, no, no, no. Like, if, if you believed in Jesus, your very identity changes. There's suddenly a discomfort. You suddenly feel like you're in exile. But Peter says, in essence, as you will say later, that's good. Because this isn't your home. You're meant for a better country. This is our identity, friends. We, we are meant to be not at home, not quite right. We're meant to be strange a little bit. We're meant to be a little weird in the world around us. That's our identity. But then it leads to this action, this action which is abstaining from the world's desires. He says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Now, notice something. Before Peter talks about the struggle with the world out there, he talks about our struggle with the world in here. We as Christians like to talk about taking a stand, you know, fighting for Christianity. And we often think about fighting for Christ and Christianity out there, right? Like somewhere where there's like a CNN camera and an American flag behind us and the wind is rustling and we give kind of an inspiration. I am standing for the Lord with a deeper voice than we normally use, right? And standing for him out there, Peter says, no, 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 no. Before we talk about out there, which we'll get to in 1 Peter, let's talk about in here. The most intense struggle you will face in your life is the war in your own soul. The place you must fight bravest and longest is in your own soul. And it will not get you on CNN. Taking a stand for Jesus in your heart will not, but it will reshape your life. Peter says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Now, to abstain means to hold back, to not do something. And what is that he doesn't want you to do? The passions of the flesh. And that, that doesn't just mean um, your, kind of your normal desires, hey, I need to eat or whatever. The, these are, he's referring to the sinful pa uh, passions of the flesh. When, when scripture often in the New Testament talks about the flesh, it means your sinful humanity that remains even after coming to Christ. So he's saying, do not follow the desires that are sinful that you feel, that are in line with the world around you, but not in line with the world to come. Now, I, I didn't see th this movie, but I like the idea of that, that movie that came out in the summer where all the emotions are portrayed by little people, right? And it's cute, and there's like the little anger guy, he's all angry, you know, and the joy person's always joyful, and the sad person's always sad, and and sometimes we think, oh, you know, that's the way it probably is in my heart, you know. I feel anger and joy and all these little things. You know what Peter says? 
You want to open a window to your heart and see what it's like inside? Go watch The Lord of the Rings, okay? Go watch Braveheart. Your heart is We Were Soldiers. Your heart is Black Hawk Down. Your heart is Gladiator, right? There is an epic, titanic struggle because these passions, Peter says, are waging war against your soul. There is something happening in you. And Peter wants you to be aware of it. He wants you to fight in this battle. But the first thing you need to understand is that there is a war going on and you are on the front lines as a Christian. Now, there's two things you need to understand as a Christian right here. The first is this, that if you are a Christian, you will still struggle with sin. Um, Peter has already said that we've been born again in chapter one, that we have a new life with Jesus. So the complete power of sin is broken over us. We have a new life in Jesus. We can choose to obey and follow God, but the presence of sin still remains. And we must be vigilant against it. We must kind of, in a sense, go to war against it. The Puritan John Owen famously said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. In other words, if you do nothing, sin will not do the same. I've heard it said, the sin is not a gentleman where you put down your sword, it puts down his. Like, oh, are we not going to to fence today? Okay, great. Then um, if you won't do anything godly, I I promise I won't do anything um, sinful, okay? Like, it's not a gentleman, right? You wake up, don't have a quiet time, don't pray, don't read scripture, don't determine to be kind to your family, don't determine to be patient. Your sin goes to work. It says, perfect, let's go. Now, there is good news, though. Greater is he that is in us than our old self. God sends us the Holy Spirit who breaks sin's power, who will make us more and more and more like Jesus. Because of the Spirit, because of this new life in Jesus, we can obey. We can follow Jesus. If you are in Christ, Jesus says, no one is going to snatch you out of my hand. Not even your own sinful desires. But Peter says, your part in this is significant. You must fight. You must hold back from the sinful passions you'd like to pursue. Now, the second thing you need to understand is this, that if you're struggling with sin, it does not mean you're not a Christian. I talked to somebody recently who was struggling with whether they were a Christian because they were still fighting sin. But as they described it, that they were confessing this sin. They hated it. They didn't want to pursue it anymore. And I told them, that actually shows that you are a Christian. Because apart from Christ, you would be following the ways of the world, happy-go-lucky, or maybe a ping of conscience here and there. But in Christ, sin is distasteful. We realize, I don't want the stuff of this world. I want the stuff of the better world. So something does not sit right with us. And they're confessing it. They're asking for help. And I'm saying that, that is the Holy Spirit at work in you. When your conscience is uneasy, when you desire to obey God, that is God's Spirit at work in you. In you. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. The book of 1 Peter is one of those hard hitting books in the Bible intended to shake us to the core. 
In this series, Pastor Ricky will be sharing messages entitled The Countercultural Christian Community and The Time is Short and many more. Each one of these messages will bring insight into specific areas in the Christian life. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Alcanta of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at www.betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, the number to call is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study, fellowship, and prayer. For more information, including driving directions, visit betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. Music heard here on Better News Radio is courtesy of Sovereign Grace Music. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series in the book of 1 Peter next time on Better News Radio. Open.